Hello and welcome to the Rethink Energy podcast. I'm Simon Thompson. Rethink Energy is the research service about the business of renewables and their investment possibilities. We've just sent out our weekly newsletter to subscribers and here to discuss the edition are analysts Peter White, Harry Morgan and Andres Wantenar. Hello. Hello. Um, uh, Harry, what have you been writing about this week? So hydrogen mainly, it's been a very busy week uh, in the hydrogen sector. I mean, we've seen the EU publish its first ever roadmap for hydrogen uh, all the way out to 2050, setting targets uh, in the middle for 2024 and 2030. And we've seen a record-breaking project coming out of Saudi Arabia with a joint venture between Aquapower and Air Products. Um, so that will be really exciting to see how that sort of starts to bring the MENA region into the sort of European hydrogen sector as well. Great. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And Andres, what have you been writing about this week? Uh, Well, the big thing is the solar report that we've done, which covers 16 of the biggest global markets, and it covers their capacity additions in quarter one. And along with that, there's a big forecast. Okay. And, And Peter, what have you been writing about this week? Well, the big deal for me this week has to be the uh, the, the, the uh, Dominion Energy in the state selling off all its gas assets for $10 billion to Berkshire Hathaway. Um, I think that's got huge implications. Okay, okay. Well, we'll, we'll get back to that later. So, um, uh, Harry, can you tell us a bit more about um, the, the hydrogen stories that you've been writing about? Um, so, obviously, the key one really is this EU report that came out has 24 page report so it's not actually that long really um and it's i'd say it is fairly vague on the specific details of how uh, europe's going to build out its hydrogen i mean it's aiming for around 14 percent of hydrogen in the energy mix by 2050 uh, which by our assessment is actually quite a low figure but when we would expect this sort of rise by the sort of the time we actually end up getting to 2050. Uh, the first phase um takes us through to 2024 and that's sort of seeing six gigawatts of electrolyzer capacity by then uh, sort of addressing that captive market of where hydrogen is already used and having electrolysis at sort of the the locations of demand and then moving sort of further forward to 2030 then you've got this 40 gigawatts that they want to bring in creating this sort of open market for hydrogen and using it as this uh, energy vector is the term that they'd like to use and getting hydrogen down to that cost competitive level of one euro sort of 50 per kilogram and is that that the holy grail of pricing uh, it seems to be at the moment, obviously, grey hydrogen at the moment, so that's hydrogen from, from steam reforming, is is lower than that. But sort of with carbon pricing starting to come into price, especially in Europe, um, that price is going to be pulled up a bit. And obviously then the price of green hydrogen in particular uh, will be starting to plummet through the floor um, as it sort of starts to reach that economies of scale. Okay. The key thing here, Simon, is if this strategy works anywhere in the world, and if Europe takes the lead... Um, once commercial activity starts in it, those numbers will be blown away, They're like they are in every renewable sector. Six gigawatts by 2024, that might be hard work. But, but then it will just, there'll be a commercial reality. Once, once you start a marketplace, it will just take off. And um, it, Europe could be at the forefront of, of, of a, a real uh, renewable movement. Yeah, I'd have to say I completely agree. I think the um, the long-term target is something that we don't really need to focus on too much. And it's this sort of six gigawatts by 2024 is where we're starting to see sort of real ambition. And as soon as that confidence is there in the market, it will just take off. Harry, that's the amount of energy that you use to hy- hydrolyze water to, to make hydrogen. Well, what does that convert to in tonnage? 
Uh, six gigawatts roughly equates itself to um, one million tons of hydrogen. We'll come back to um, an electrolyzer startup a bit later on. In the meantime, uh, Andres, um, can you tell us a bit more about the, the solar forecast? Uh, yeah, well, we've covered the 16 most important markets and the big, the, the big numbers are 3.9 from China, which is very weak for them. And USA is 2.9, which I don't think is so bad. Uh, India is doing very badly at 900. And India has these big targets and it's just running into all kinds of issues with its distribution companies. And coronavirus is the big immediate story. It's, it's suppressed things by as much as 20 or 30%. But we think it'll, it'll die down and actually you'll see even more growth as a sort of reaction catching up to where things are naturally. And we think coronavirus is basically a short-term impact. Is that, is that disruptions in the supply chain? Or what, what exactly with coronavirus, what's the, how, how does it impact? It is mostly the supply chain because the factories where people were working are a bad place to be if you don't want to get, catch a disease. Whereas installing things outside is, is not impacted in the same way at all. And actually Hebei, the, the province in China with Wuhan, had more installations than usual uh, during, during the uh, pandemic. Uh, and the other two big countries that sort of stand out, three actually, are, are Brazil, which has, it, it's heading towards three or four gigawatts a year. Uh, Mexico, Mexico is at the same rate right now, but its government is trying to roll back all sorts of pro-renewable policies, so it might die. And South Korea is, um, a quarter two figures came out, and they're actually 1.2 gigawatts, which is half of a USA quarterly figure almost. So it's, it's coming ahead very quickly. That Mexican situation, uh, one of the, the courts um, just uh, rejected a load of changes to, tap, to payments to the, um, to the renewables company. So if the courts have their way, um, renewables will continue to flourish in Mexico. It's just a matter of confidence, you know, whether people, investors are still happy to spend their money in a, in a, around a regime that keeps changing its mind. Uh, yeah, I think the I think the original pro renewable policies are sort of set in stone, almost constitutionally. Yes. So the new guy has to nibble away at the corners, and he can't really do more than that. Well, well, thank you, Andrew. So we'll, we'll get back to uh, to you a little bit later. So Peter, if you could just um, talk to us about this Berkshire Hathaway uh, Dominion. Yeah, this is all all personalities here. I mean, we, we've got what 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 happened in the middle of the week is. Um, that, that the Atlantic pipeline was cancelled. Uh, there's been a back to and froing from the uh, with people objecting to it and people, things going to courts. Courts making one decision, superior courts making a different one, and the Supreme Court even uh, uh, had a say in, in this. And suddenly, um, Duke Energy and Dominion Energy, who were the, the dual sponsors of the pipeline, both said, "Enough. We're not going to build it." And at that point, um, Dominion, Dominion Energy then went and sold everything, all the gas assets it's been building up over the years to Berkshire Hathaway. Um, that, that's a, 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 so you, you've got this larger-than-life character, Thomas F. Farrell II, the CEO of Dominion, who's, a, who's been a big critic of uh, renewables, suddenly... Uh, embracing, in his home state of Virginia in particular, embracing renewables aggressively, taking some of that $10 billion, um, to spend on it. Um, fundamentally, that $10 billion was $5.7 of debt that's handed over, so that's not real money. 
and four billion, you know, three billion of that will go back to his shareholders. Still puts a billion in his back pocket to spend on renewables almost immediately. Um, and, and and suddenly, um, one of the biggest critics in in the world, in America of renewables is now one of the biggest fans. And Duke is going the same same way. The CEO there, Lynn Good, um, actually rebuked investors an investor call for calling for more renewables and telling them if they knew how much it would cost, they wouldn't be asking. And she's going the same route. And you take heavyweights like that, uh, uh, who influence the whole industry, and, and suddenly they change direction. And they change direction because the money adds up suddenly. And it's like uh, the floodgates are going to open. And they already have in the States, for uh, particularly for solar, uh, obviously, wind. Harry, Harry's an expert on wind. All, all the wind stuff has been uh, ticking along for a long time, but solar and energy storage is now going to potentially wipe out the whole gas peaker market in in the states in the next five to seven years. Yeah, that's something in Virginia in particular. I think with wind power, especially and 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 offshore wind. Uh, I mean, we've got that that massive project that's going to be coming online, um, sort of the mid twenty twenties, and that. I mean, depending obviously on the pilot project that's just been installed there. So uh, I think it's obviously great news that they're starting to see that as a more profitable way out um, than just by persisting with gas. It's really interesting when you actually get into uh, the detail uh, of this. Um, there, there's different public utilities uh, commissions in different states and they're, and they're pulling these companies in different directions. They're both Duke and Dominion are in many states. And, and you get one place they want to give the message to them yeah you're right we're we're a fossil fuel lover yeah yeah we're going to carry on with coal in one state and then they want to say something completely different in another state because they're they're really being pushed and shut by uh, the public utility commissions to obey um decisions made in, in state legislature so um it's sometimes hard to read these people because they're, they're they're ducking and diving between many masters Surely it has to be seen as these uh, utilities starting to come around to the idea of stranded assets then? Uh, I, absolutely. Uh, and one of the beauties of this is, um, you know, th there's probably seven or eight smaller utilities who've been following in their footsteps and maybe they, they, will, they will cave in as well. And, well, yeah, that's... Um, and how, how do you think this will pan out um, during the election? <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not going to get into the business of, uh, of predicting elections. Uh, we, we've all been made foolish by uh, by that. Um, but right now, uh, it, it looks um, on the surface, before we get into the real clinches of the election, that um, Donald Trump's got a lot of catching up to do, and it's uh, unlikely. It would be a huge achievement for him to do it. Uh, and if a Democratic... Um, uh, a government gets in and they and they own the Senate as well, then um, the, the green revolution is going to be coming from the top down in America, not just from the bottom up. Um, but even so, even if Trump gets a second term, second term presidents don't carry the clout that first term presidents do. And there's a real momentum in the renewals market there. And it's coming up, bubbling up through the utilities. And it's it's going to happen. Mm, okay. Well, what watch this space? So, um, uh, we we have a section in the in the newsletter called "Worth Noting." One of the things, well, it's not strictly worth notice, is this uh, electrolyzer 
um, story. So, Harry, could you just tell us a bit more about Electrolyzer? Electrolyzers. Um, yeah, so well, the, the startup that we um, wrote about this week was Anapta, um, and we had a really good chat with one of their co-founders, uh, Batea Cowan, and they're approaching things slightly differently. So typically, and what we've seen through the EU support is that a lot of support's going into these large-scale electrolyzers. And the Saudi Arabia one that we mentioned in the issue is a, is a prime example. But the way that Inapta is approaching things is to tackle it on a much sort of more compact basis and create these sort of small modular systems that you can stack together for projects of whatever size you want. What they're really trying to do is is reach economies of scale as fast as they can. And they're actually thinking that they can reach this sort of 1.5 uh, euro price point that we were talking about earlier, sort of by around 2024-2025. They're sort of about to open their first sort of mass production facility, which is where they think they can achieve that. So, so there's there's a there's a whole. I mean, there's so many parallels. I mean, I grew up in the uh, computer industry, and, um, and and when we when I first was in it, there were just mainframes, and then there were mini computers, and then there were personal computers, and and now we have smartphones that have got more processing power than the mainframes. And this is this is what what the debate is always about. Do you put a big one of these in the middle and share out its out its, its share out its hydrogen, or do you put them where it's needed? Um, do you design a single box where you can add another box to it and get a hundred percent improvement, and then another box and another box? And that modular modular design moment in, in technology is often the takeoff point. And, and the people in Apta clearly have that as a vision. You know, if you, you can use this box for just creating enough hydrogen to fill a car, or you can use this box to create enough hydrogen to drive the steel industry, as long as you just buy more boxes. And, and it's, this is the equivalent of what Fluence has been doing in the battery market. We have a battery operating system. We put it in a box with a certain number of, of cells, and, that, and that's a box. And you can put another box on top of it, another box on top of it, and you double and treble the capacity. And I think that's just a sign of a maturing technology. Uh, so Modular Electrolyzers is um, at our website. Go to rethinkresearch.biz, click the energy button, and it's Modular Electrolyzers. And Therese, have you seen anything worth noting this week? Uh, well, the big one was definitely BP and Jinko Solar in China uh, signing a memor memorandum of understanding to develop um, battery storage for China's commercial and industrial market. So uh, BP exited solar itself in 2011, but they have this subsidiary. Well, they acquired 50% of light source BP a couple of years ago. So it's in solar. Um, so they're doing energy storage with solar and this is focused in Shanghai, I think. That's where they signed the agreement. And Shanghai is, is quite cutting edge. It's got lots of solar plants on rooftops. In the broader region around it, they've got floating solar on the lakes in that area. Um, the city's done a virtual power plant for the first time. So, th so that was a big thing to see. Um, the, other, the other big story this week was Turkey. Um, they've they've revealed the details of their one gigawatt solar tender that they're going to hold in uh, October, and it's all for small scale stuff. But um, so Turkey's going to be back up in the big leagues for solar. Okay, in interesting. And uh, again, you can read all about this at uh, in the latest edition rethinkresearch.biz and look at the energy, um, uh, click the energy button, and there's a full listing of all the articles there. Harry, do you have anything worth noting for this week? 
Yeah, so in terms of orders this week, we saw Orsted sign a record size PPA uh, in Taiwan uh, with TSMC for the full capacity of the 920 megawatt Changhua 2B and 4 offshore wind project. Uh, we also saw Siemens Gamesa breaking records in the US, signing the largest uh, wind repowering project, uh, the 429 project um, called Rolling Hill in Wyoming. Um, we also saw tensions rising between the UK and China due to the uh, residency offers for Hong Kong citizens, which is casting some sort of aspersions over the future of the nuclear industry in the UK, with China having pretty substantial stakes actually in the Hinkley Point Sea and Sizewell Sea nuclear plants. We also came across a really interesting startup called the APB Corp, which claims that it can cut the cost of battery manufacture by around 90% um, through its polymer battery technology. Uh, and we're hoping to sort of follow up with that next week. Okay, well, I think we'll, we'll end it there. Um, so, uh, uh, again, it's the, the rethink energy services, uh, a full uh, uh, service about renewable energy markets. We have webinars, deals database, reports, and, uh, and the, all of these articles plus the back catalogue. It's all at rethinkresearch.biz uh, slash energy. Thank you. Goodbye.